0: Hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick and I'm the host. I interview my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if they have the key to life and they feel successful or feel like they don't fit in like I do. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey listeners, just wanted to give a big thank you and an update that I am slowing down on incoming interviews to focus on my backlog. I've really appreciated all of the interest in the podcast and all of the interviews, but with my husband deploying, I just really needed to take some time for my mental health and um, reprioritize. I'm starting to do a lot of volunteer opportunities for military and I just needed some time to kind of shift my focus. So um, for now, I'm not doing any incoming interviews that'll probably change closer to the end of the year, but I do have episodes all the way into 2021 at this point. So I just wanted to say thank you again for everyone's support. I really appreciate it. And I hope everyone has a great week and enjoys the episode. This week's episode features Lee Chambers, a psychologist and life coach. It's a really great conversation. So let's just hop on into it. Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's
1: going good, Bianca. Thanks for having us on.
0: (laughs) I really appreciate it. To my listeners, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. And the lovely voice you're hearing on the other end is coming at us from the UK, Lee Chambers. How are you doing, Lee?
1: I'm doing really well. It's now <laughs> half past six in the evening and I've had a great day so far. And this is just another great thing to add to it.
0: Yeah. So let's just hop into it. What's your elevator pitch, 30,000 foot overview? Who are you? What do you do? Etc.
1: Yep. So I'm Lee Chambers based in Preston in the UK and I'm an environmental psychologist and wellbeing consultant. I founded a company called Decentralised Workplace Wellbeing and I work in corporate organizations and small businesses to bring well-being in a slightly disruptive way by looking at the workplace environments, both physiologically and psychologically, looking at diversity, inclusion, and also leadership and management capability, combining all that together with employee assessments and then delivering some health awareness on top.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Um, So uh, I've done one interview prior to this, uh, which used matchmaker.fm, which is a free platform um, to my listeners that I've mentioned now once at this point. Um, But Lee reached out to me and I'm really glad he did. I mean, I think he's got a pretty unique story, point of view, all of that. So I guess we'll just address the elephant in the room, which is imposter syndrome. And I always like to ask my guests um, if they have it all figured out. Um, So do you have it all figured out?
1: Uh, Definitely not. And I believe that truly, as soon as you believe that you've got it all figured out, it starts running even further away from you. So in so many ways, it's a journey to even begin to understand yourself. And at the same time, we gradually go through life taking action, find what resonates with us and chiseling our character just getting that little bit closer to realizing you know, what we want to bring. And yet, no matter how enlightened you might think you are or how self-aware you might be, we've all got those massive blind spots. And in so many ways, that actually means that we've never got it all figured out. And if anyone tells you that they have, they're just lying to you.
0: <laughs> I totally agree with that. So I've asked that question now, um, going near darn near 30 times. And um, I would be shocked, kind of oh, concerned, if someone told me that they do have it figured out. Because I think the key to life is to constantly be evolving and changing, similar as what you said. And I agree with you, the sooner you think you have it figured out, the further away it goes. So I think that's great advice. Um, so moving into the topic at hand, which is imposter syndrome, do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways? And what does imposter syndrome mean to you?
1: Yeah so in many ways imposter syndrome to me is based on the fact that we are born into this world and we don't have imposter syndrome. We have basic functions to keep us alive and yet as soon as we become aware and our senses ignited, we spend time with our parents and our families and then we go and join our peers in education and what kind of happened is we absorb All the information that we get from society, from the people close to us, and we almost catalyze that information. And what so often happens is because as human beings, we've got that negative bias, which has kept us alive in evolution. When you walked out of that cave and there was a tiger on one side and pretty flowers on the other... You saw the pretty flowers and went that way. You were eaten alive and you didn't reproduce. So we do have that negativity within us. And I like to say that our brains, they're like Velcro. Negativity hits our brain, sticks nicely. Positivity hits our brain, slips off like Teflon. So Mm -hmm. what happens is we end up with a backpack full of beliefs. Most of them are other people's opinions of us or what we think that other people think that we are. And we ask ourselves questions and that's not something we often practice. So, so often we ask ourselves really poor questions, and get really bad answers, but keep getting that bad answer. And you just have to believe it's true because as well as that, we're not really good at understanding that everything we think it's not true, but we have a tendency to think that it is. And all that bind together means that by the time you become an adolescent, you're absolutely covered in everyone else's mud. And what that does is when your authentic self wants to shine through all that mud, it doesn't shine anywhere. It just shines back on itself. And you stand there trying to express yourself authentically and you don't feel, that's not me. I can't do that. People like me don't do that. I can't, I, I can't possibly do that. And you suddenly not able to express your offense itself. It can't shine through. And in so many ways, that for me is imposter syndrome. In terms of my own experience, well, I'm a young black man, but I looked out to society when I was younger and I didn't see a reflection of me. I saw lots of people who were sports people, young black men who worked in film and music, but I'm very different. I'm a scientist, so to speak. And an entrepreneur, and I didn't see examples of that for me to model. Mm-hmm. I tried to look inside myself, and as a young man, I, neither did I have the ability to navigate my own psychological emotions, my own states, my own emotional intelligence, because they don't teach that at school. So that led me to feel like an imposter in my own skin. I then set up a video game business after graduating from university. went into an industry which is predominantly white in the video game wholesale market and again I felt like a disruptive imposter someone didn't face didn't fit when I was pitching for work yet again I started to feel like I couldn't take the action I couldn't expand because that wasn't me and now to this day I'm now a young black autistic male in the wellness industry and if you if you Google Wellness," a picture of me doesn't come up, and sometimes I actually honestly feel that <laughs> am I in the right place? and yet it's so important for me to have felt like that. So we've taken that step outside of my comfort zone because I know that I can be an example for other people who also feel like they don't fit in, but if you truly want to do that and it resonates with you deeply inside. I want to be the person to show you that you can take that step. I didn't have that example when I was younger, but I, I really want to have that legacy of letting the next generation of black and diverse wellness practitioners to take that step into corporations and go and spread their message too.
0: Yeah, that is beautiful. Um, being American, being in my climate, in my country, I'm very much um, an advocate for equality right now. Um, If black lives don't matter, then neither do all. Uh, We're in this beautiful revolution. um, And so I love what you're doing because I think that your voice is going to bring so much value to corporations, to people's lives, all of that. So I think it's a beautiful um, experience to meet you uh, and interview you. I mean, you just really did inspire me right there. I love that you you forged yourself forward when you didn't have a mold to fit. And sometimes as white people, we just don't realize, you know, we have it so easy. We have this inherent privilege and you don't realize how hard it is for someone that doesn't look like us. I'm not myself. I'm not, I'm privy to understanding that I have that. And I, you know, I'm, I've worked very hard to backtrack that. Um, but for others that just go, well, it's not that hard to get a job, or it's not that hard to break into an industry. You're right. It it is. It's really hard when everyone else is a you know thin wispy white female eating a you know chia seeds in an acai bowl or whatever. And and I think it's really awesome that you're breaking that mold. And I'm excited to kind of see what you do with it. And and even before we clicked record, I mean, I could tell you were like sitting in an office and it had your um, logo and all of that. And I was like, man, this guy really, he's got it together.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Thank you. And you know, we, we all try to make a change in the world and it took me quite a long time to really define what I wanted to bring It actually, you know, took me numerous different jobs, setting up a business Mm -hmm. that wasn't the business that in the end I actually wanted to bring. It took redundancy, it took mental health issues, and it took me losing the ability to walk, to gradually chisel and define exactly what I felt would become my purpose and the missions I wanted to undertake. And it's a journey because so many people in the industry are telling you, oh, we will help you find your passion. All you've got to do is think about it and read a few books and... Don't find your passion by thinking, you don't think your way to clarity on these things, yeah. and you can't read your way to action. You've got yeah. to go out there and step outside your comfort zone and find what resonates with you. And when you find it, you start to dig a bit deeper. And at some point, you'll find that expression of you. And suddenly, any imposter syndrome will fall off like dirt off a statue in the rain because it's you and you're connected to you, and suddenly you don't feel like an imposter because you feel like you. Yeah, and you'll and you'll be your statue, and the, you'll wash the dirt off, and you'll become authentically you, and you'll no longer feel like an imposter because you will be living you.
0: Yeah, I love that, and um, interestingly enough, I was actually reading a book today, so Um, I'm an advocate for mental health and going to therapy and all of that. And my therapist has been having me read this book um, just based on some childhood trauma that I had and, you know, whatever we, none of us are perfect. Uh, And uh, in the book, I was reading a chapter about high achievers. um, And that would probably be me to a T because I've always been fairly successful with whatever I'm doing. And recently, I've been thinking about kind of my career path and, and where do I see myself? Because at the start of this, I was laid off um, due to coronavirus and COVID. I was a marketing director. I'd finally reached that pinnacle in my career where I'd gotten as far as I could proved myself, you know, as a woman that's important, as, you know, as someone that is working really hard. I finally had that role in that position. And of course, COVID, you know, they got rid of marketing and whatever. So I started this podcast because my friend had asked me right before, quarantine and COVID and all of that, the pandemic hit us the way it did. What would you be doing if you weren't doing this? Because I was kind of telling her like, oh God, you know, I don't feel valued. I don't feel appreciated. I'm doing work that I don't truly believe in. I'm always working for others and not really myself. And she is a coach herself. And she said, what would you rather be doing? And I said, you know, I've always wanted to be on a podcast. I've always wanted to be part of a podcast. I've always wanted to be a guest on a podcast, but no one's ever asked me. And she was like, well, why don't you just start your own? And I thought about it. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know the first thing about it. I was a radio DJ in college. I mean, I really don't know if I would be good at that. And then I decided that if I listened to my imposter syndrome that I would never do it. And so I took the plunge and here we are. I'm now talking to you. We would have never met without this. And to me, reading this book today, it came full circle because high achievers, based on the parent that I had and the relationship I had with my mother, um, it can go one of two ways, self-saboteur or high achiever. And I was a high achiever, but with high achievement comes imposter syndrome. And I was reading this chapter today in this book called, Will I Ever Be Good Enough? And I go, oh my God, am I reading my brain? Did I truly manifest the one podcast about my life? And so I think it's beautiful when I have my guests who have come full circle and they found a way to deal with those devils on their shoulder, angel devil telling you these very negative tracks. It's very beautiful to hear someone go, okay, I'm breaking the mold. I'm starting anew. And I'm now going to help other people see what I see in themselves. So I love that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think that that, that's something that's great because that comes from being authentically yourself. And like you just said, it's really good when your friend, that one powerful question, what do you truly want to do Bianca? And you're like, actually, I know what I truly want to do. And then in a simple sentence, she gave you permission to go and do it. And that's so empowering. That just shows it only took two sentences To question you, the answer's already there, and to give you permission because the desire's already there. And that's when we start to realize that under all that society's grime and muck that gets stuck on you, all the answers and all the desire and all the power is already inside of you. And we spend so much of our life looking out to society for the answer, for the reason, for the for the motivation. It's all there. And again, we're so good at standing in our own way Mm -hmm. that sometimes we just need someone to give us a shove, shove shove ourselves out of our own way, Mm -hmm. open up the path for us to then go and start to do something which really resonates with us. And again, I thank you for taking that step outside of your comfort zone to do something that now means that I can amplify my message through your message.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I I always say, I have a saying that if this helps one person, then we've done our job. Every single episode is a different facet and a different um, prism into just kind of what imposter syndrome means. When I started this, I thought, oh, it's only women that feel this way because I wasn't having any straight uh, men coming to me telling me they felt this way. And then my husband was like, well, I feel this way. And he's a straight man. He's in the military. And I started to realize that it's not gender specific. It's not gender specific. It's not sexuality specific. And it's not, um, it's a human thing. It's just whether or not we want to allow ourselves to realize that we're not alone in it. And what I'm finding is the feedback on each episode is just dependent on what someone's hobbies or interests are, but that the more... I've put out, the more people go, wow, I didn't realize it was in that industry too. Wow, I didn't realize that you could feel this way as an actress or an artist or a comedian or whatever that might be. So I really am excited to kind of, you know, share this, especially with my listeners and amplify your message, as you said, because I think you've got a really powerful one. So in talking about imposter syndrome... There is um, deeply ingrained of knowing if you figured it out. And then also this feeling of success because a lot of the times with imposter syndrome, we're not able to look at our achievements and our accomplishments in a good light. So I always like to ask this because it varies to guest to guest. Um, What does success look like to you and do you feel successful?
1: Yeah, so it's always such an interesting question. And it's a question I often pose to other people. So for me, success, a big part of that is it's not a destination. Success is like a, a guiding star in the sky. And when it becomes a compass for your decisions, it becomes something that allows you to move on your path with a light that's shining to help you guide the way. So when people say, What does success mean to you? Well, I'm never going to reach success. It's not a distant shore that I'm rowing out to. Actually, it's a guiding star in the sky that helps me make decisions that are authentic to me. So when people say, are you successful? Well, in some aspects, I do feel more successful than I once was because I'm more aligned to that star in the sky and I'm able to read my compass more as I gradually start to uncover those elements of myself as I unpeel the onion to try and understand myself on a deeper and deeper level as the years go by. But again, I'm never going to be truly successful because as soon as you believe you're successful, it's the biggest human trap we've got. Even more so than thinking we've got it all figured out is thinking you've become successful because then we stop doing stop Moving and we stop seeing all the amazing things around us. So, if you think you're going to row to that shore and then you row there, you're so busy, wrapped up in the fact that you made it. You've missed all the lovely vistas that you could have looked at as you were rowing to that shore. You miss all the small wins. You miss all the joy of the journey. And all of a sudden, you're just wrapped up in thinking that you've made it, you've complete. And then actually what happens is you stop spiraling upwards and you start spiraling downwards because our life needs meaning. And by moving towards that vision of success, ultimately we want to be on our deathbed thinking that we expressed ourselves in our life and stayed in contact with the people who we care about and that we kind of we've lived the life that we lived because we don't regret what we did. We regret what we didn't do and we regret not being ourselves. And again, when you become successful, you suddenly think that everything else would just fall into place and that everyone else should almost bow down to you because you've made it, you're a success. Really success is just a guiding star. It's a compass. It's something that's very individual to each person, but it should be something that gives you a level of drive and a level of motivation to keep true to your values and true to being you as you navigate through the challenges, the obstacles, and the sacrifices of life?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it, I, It's similar to kind of how I feel with um, when you move the goalpost. So you hit that goal, then you move the goalpost again and again and again, and that's just a rat race. You're never going to win it. And you made a really beautiful um, metaphor about you know once you rowed to that shore, well there was all these vistas you could have checked out or you could have maybe enjoyed the ride um, so for me, success uh, is similar to yours where it's just living your truth um, and being comfortable in your own skin those are ways to feel successful and another thing that I've realized because before quarantine, you know, uh, and this conversation I'd had with my friend, Melanie, I'd said, well, you know, I just don't feel valued. And maybe if I made more money at another company, I would feel like that monetary value would then make me feel successful. And I thought about it today. And I saw a photo pop up in my photo roll. And I was like, man, that photo I took right before this all shut down. And I was, interview- I was about to interview for a position at a marketing firm that saw my value, didn't bet nigh at the number I'd given them, and um, was very excited to have me interview. And I look at where I am now after pretty much self-isolating, um, going through my husband being on- underway, getting ready for a deployment losing my dog, losing friendships, getting a puppy and starting this podcast. I mean all of these things have happened, you know, since beginning of March. So much so much right. has happened in my life. I'm now actually living my truth. I've started therapy to understand myself. I've never been more successful in my marriage. I've never been, you know, my husband and I have a great relationship. I've never felt better about who I am and living my truth. And I look now and I go, wow, you know what? It's actually a privilege to sit at my table. And it's, there is no monetary value that will ever compensate for how I feel about me now. And because of that, and now I work and I do something I'm passionate about, I don't need that high number to tell me that I'm valued. I need a company to see me for who I am, whether or not it's monetary, and I need To be able to be okay with the things I'm doing. So, does my podcast make me money? No. But I feel value every time I have a conversation with someone and when I produce it and when I let it go and all that. So, for me, success right now is similar to you living my truth, being okay with who I am, and realizing that monetarily it doesn't matter because the number will always get bigger and bigger and bigger and further away. But if I don't sit back and see how much I've accomplished and what a journey I've been on, then I'd be doing myself a disservice. And that's pretty sad. So I agree with you.
1: Yeah. Those are wise words indeed.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think um, you and I have effectively discussed The Elephant in the Room, which is what the podcast is about, which is imposter syndrome. So now we go on to my favorite point of the episode, always, where I ask my guests things that they're fanatical about and things that they might have an unpopular opinion about. Um, So for me currently, I'm fanatical about uh, crafting. Uh, I just... I just really have been enjoying being able to have the time to uh, do something with my hands, make something that brings other people joy, and do something that makes me feel good. So for me, like picking up a hobby and finding out that my true craft form was making hair bows with goss grain ribbon, that's what I like doing. So for me currently, I'm fanatical about crafting and Etsy.com. And um, I probably spend entirely way too much money on ribbon, but that makes me happy currently to actually be able to have that time to outlet into a hobby.
1: Yeah. And again, that's, um, that's something that's, it, it took you to slow down a little bit mm-hmm. and really anchor into something that's giving you a lot of joy. And in this busy world that we live in, where our attention's being thrown around on a regular basis and that That's an economy itself that's trying to uh trying to pull us about just suddenly finding something where we can get our creative side out, be're really mindful while you're doing it, and you're in that moment. It's really good, given that mm-hmm. you know we're, we're all going to be anxious in this particular climate and it's a challenging time, turbulent time, and yet yeah, it's a really good time for us to actually reflect and think what interesting things can we do that maybe we've just overlooked because we've been so busy chasing other things
0: yeah absolutely Uh so for you like what are you currently like absolutely fanatical about
1: yeah so I'm I'm always fanatical about something at the minute it's the interconnectivity of physiological and psychological elements so mm-hmm. I'm one of those people who's been I finished university and then I kept learning and I kept learning and I still I'm constantly on courses um, and currently doing one now and really what's really ignited my passion recently is is just starting to understand even more so how our bodies and our minds are connected Mm -hmm. and how what we eat affects our mood and how how much we sleep affects almost every biological process that Mm -hmm. we have. And that has really become a passion of mine because I've always believed that we're massively interconnected Mm -hmm. and yet the whole world looks at things in isolation, especially if you look at, say, pharma, they want to solve one particular symptom. So they they designate something that will stop one neurotransmitter here or one chemical balance here. And what that does is it's great. It solves the problem except it causes 15 side effects because we're (laughs) incredibly interconnected. As soon as you play with one thing, you knock so many other things out of place. And that has really become something that has really defined, started to define my work, but also how I experiment on myself and how I spent years working to come off my medication after becoming unwell. And it's taken me six years, but three weeks ago, I took my last dose of medication Now I'm controlling my chronic disease and chronic illness through lifestyle alone.
0: Yeah, I think that's amazing. Um, You know, and I don't know if the, I know the UK has um, bans on advertisements for uh, like big pharma. I know big pharma is a lot worse in the United States. I mean, there's ads for everything. It's like, talk to your doctor if you think you have this. And unfortunately, doctors for a very long time were just, diagnosing and giving pills here, you know, willy nilly here, whatever. Um, and so uh, it's great to kind of see that, you know, you're able to take control because I know that when I've had surgeries in the past or have had things happen um, over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, I've seen the amount of pain medication they give you uh, go down because they're realizing just how bad that can be. Um, and also just kind of any other medications um, it seems like now the United States is also trying to control them a lot more, which is really good because there's a lot of um, Adderall abuse or, uh, you know, people being prescribed um, antipsychotics when they don't need them and that kind of stuff. And there's a huge thing right now about um, anti-anxiety medication and how, how it's constantly prescribed. So I agree with you. Yeah, big pharma, it's like you fix one thing, but then at what cost? So uh, um, I myself, I'm I'm 31 and at 30, almost 31, I was diagnosed finally after being told as a child I was extremely disruptive in class and I couldn't do math to save my life. I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't study. I could never finish anything. For 30 years, I dealt with this and my parents were like, oh, we don't want to put her on medication. So I never went on medication and I finally got diagnosed through my doctor and um, I'm in therapy so those two things work together. And I'm on just the lowest dose. And I've been on the lowest dose of just just under or over the lowest dose of Adderall XR, which is, um, you know, an upper in, in some ways. But to me, just that little bit of a dose has changed my life. And for the last 90 or so days, I've taken it every day. And I've been able to complete projects. I've been able to uh, be in the moment. I've been able to um, you know, start my day feeling a comp- and feel accomplished at the end of it. And that for me was life-changing. But for other people, sometimes they'll have to turn it up um, and they need more and more and more. But for me, it wasn't an addictive thing. Uh, just 10 is enough and I'm really happy with it. But um, I definitely think the way you do where if you just change one thing, then you, then you have 50 other side effects. So, um, it's, it's just definitely interesting. And I think that's uh, awesome. We should always, always be still learning. Um, I'm still learning every single day. Um, just reading something new or, or whatever that might be. So, yeah, I, I really like that.
1: Yeah. And it's massive. And, and again, medication for some people is the answer. And for other people, it, it's not, And it's just finding that balance, isn't it? Because in so many ways, I didn't like being on my medication and I was adamant that I was going to come off it. And I've managed that. I mean, at the moment, I'm three weeks out and I feel fine. And we'll see how that goes over time. But it's just ensuring that it's so easy for some people to when something really significant happens, like for me losing the ability to walk, could have very easily sat there in my wheelchair and thought, I'll just take this medication and hope for the best. And I've tried to push that boundary. And again, similar to you, I'm, I'm in that quite high achieving type mindset. And I tend to push things. Some things I push things a little too far. And sometimes I try to do a little bit too much. Um, but it's all a learning process of kind of ensuring that you're there. And again, for you, it's, it's that experimentation. I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing and the biggest you know advocate for you need to experiment because we're all bio individual we're all different we're all unique we all have our own genetic expression yeah our own microbiome our own gut enzyme makeup so why should you look to the internet or someone else for a meal plan and diet plan medication go out there try it find what works for you your body's an amazing feedback loop it'll tell you if it likes that food you'll be energized if it doesn't like sleeping that in that at that time you'll feel groggy and it just it tells you all you need to know but we're so bad at listening to it in the modern world where there's so much noise that sometimes it just requires you to step back put your lab coat on and pretend you're in science at school and everything's an experiment and the same with your failures as well you can go back and chop them up with a scalpel and find lots of information and data to use going forward in your life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. And I I encourage um, my listeners to kind of take that advice of what works for one doesn't work for another. I always use the example of um, being a woman birth control. What works for me doesn't work for my friend or another friend. And we all have different reactions to different medications. I mean, that's true among, I'm allergic to penicillin. so. So, you know, I I can't have that. And that makes a lot of antibiotics if I ever need them um, invalid because they'll give me hives or make me very, very sick. Uh, but, you know, another person might be totally fine if they were prescribed penicillin. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. and I, And I think like that's pretty true for diets and exercise and all of that. Like, I have the Peloton bike and I always tell people like, yes, like that works for me. That's a good exercise. But like, if you don't like spin class, it's not going to make you like this bike, right? Like, (laughs) like this is not going to be the, this is not a solution for you. And also like, if money's not a motivator for you, like I, we purchased this machine. It was very expensive. It's the greatest purchase we've ever made. You know, for me, it's, it's, I never really liked working out. I love it. I use it all the time. But it's not for everyone. And so that's always a good thing to keep in mind for my listeners is that just because one person says that it needs to be a certain way, or this is really great for me doesn't mean it's going to be great for you. So experimentation is the key to figuring out what's best for you. Um, So I definitely agree with that. And that's awesome. Yes, it is. So we'll move on to unpopular opinions. Um, and so I always like to use the example that I truly cannot stand cantaloupe or honeydew. I think that they are just like the cousins that invite each other to like the fruit salad party constantly and I just, I don't know if it was just because I had to eat it as a child a lot, but I can't stand the flavor. So for me, my unpopular opinion is I just, I just cannot stand cantaloupe or honeydew, um, melon, but I'm okay with like pineapples, watermelon, that kind of stuff, but no, I'm not okay with uh honeydew and cantaloupe. So <laughs> um, yours is much different than mine. Of course, yours is very um, thought out and very interesting. So I'll just let you hop into it.
1: And then that comes to the point where I don't remember what I actually said.
0: <laughs> um, you said the secret ingredient in leadership
1: is love. There we go. That's, that's definitely an unpopular opinion that gets me into a lot of uh, interesting discussions. Uh, but yeah, in so many ways, leadership and I did leadership as a module at university back in the day and all the models and all the frameworks and all the structures. Yeah. So, so valuable. You can now go out and lead, but leadership isn't what they tell you in the business books or in the MBA because everyone on this planet is a leader, wherever it be in a business, in a community group, as a parent, as a, someone who has a pet. And if you're just on your own, you're still a leader because you lead yourself every day. So leadership, what is it? It's about finding yourself and showing that to the world. So if you're the leader of a company, it's actually your job to lead yourself first authentically, to find your values and lead from them. Because by doing that, you empower other people to also lead themselves. That's how you become a truly charismatic, conscious leader. Because you actually love what you're doing. You love the people you're doing it with. And you love the change that you're making in the world. Because to lead is to serve. And to serve is to care about your customers, about society, about your employees about your investors, about the partners and the people you collaborate with. And that means that if you care, you actually have to love what you do and start to love yourself because how can you say, I love you if you don't have a strong understanding of the I? And that really boils down to a lot of the work I do within well-being within companies, is mm-hmm. helping leaders engage in the fact that leadership, you don't learn to lead from a book. You don't learn to lead from thinking about how you're going to tell people what to do. You learn how to lead by finding yourself, leading yourself. People will follow the messenger before they follow the message. So if you lead yourself, they will also start to lead themselves. And when they lead themselves, they'll become more responsible for their own health and well-being for their own wellness and their own engagement, their own development and their own growth. And if you want to build a community group, a company, a team, a family, or even yourself, it all starts with leading with love.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, RuPaul has a quote that if you don't love yourself, how the hell is anybody going to love you, right? So, or how the hell are you going to love someone else? Basically, I fumbled that quote, but um, it is true. And there's this cheesy saying that always says that love shows up when you show up for yourself, um, which is also I believe that to be 1000% true. Um, Because you're right, you have to love the I before you can love others. And you have to love I to lead yourself to then lead others. And I think I've always kind of worked for people put in management positions that were not necessarily leaders. Um, And I've also worked for a lot of for profit industries where sales was what was important and not Uh, employees and culture and all of that. So I think the work that you're doing is quite beautiful and very impactful because you're going to keep your employees a lot longer when you are a leader that can lead before the message where, you know, like lemmings, they will follow you because they're inspired by you. And I think that that's really poignant. And I see that kind of shaping the workforce you know, because the workforce is going to be so changed in general because of the pandemic, which, you know, there's so many beautiful things coming out of it. But then also, I think the workforce is going to be, especially because right now when we're thinking about inclusion and how brands are messaging and, and oh, well, you're not saying enough about Black Lives right now. Well, oh, you didn't put a pride flag up as your logo. You don't believe in homosexuality and them having equal rights, all these crazy things. And I'm sure probably going on a weird tick here, but <laughs> that, we're looking as society to companies to say, "Are you following the trends of the world right now? How are you handling this pandemic? How are you handling this movement for equality in the United States? How are you handling these things?" And if your messaging isn't following suit, quite frankly, I cancel those businesses. So I'm, I've, you know, I've 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 noticed that the one, the leaders that I'm tending to follow are ones that are making extreme changes in waves and industries that were otherwise unheard of until recently. So that takes a true leader, being able to combat the negative messages from all pain points and lead forward with what they truly believe in. And that is something that I will follow in leadership.
1: Yeah. And that's what engages people and like it engages yourself when you have a real authentic expression of yourself, you can go and channel that and express that to the world. And in so many ways, people will start to gravitate towards the companies that not only are part of the message, but a part of the action to make a change, to make a difference, because a black square on Instagram is absolutely great. But if you don't treat your employees with an inclusive atmosphere and make them feel like they belong, They'll feel even worse at seeing you trying to measure something that isn't lived within the company, that isn't congruent with the leadership and isn't actually a value that runs through your company's decisions. And those that are looking at sustainability, at inclusion, at the future of work, they will be the companies that start to change the world, that disrupt the status quo, that morph and evolve industries in the direction that we're gonna to move to because we have considerable challenges as humans going forward. And yet it's the people who are looking at the future of work, the future of education, the future of us, and starting to solve tomorrow's problems today that are the companies that will be the ones that shape the world for the better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I truly believe that I'm I'm very much in agreement and I super appreciate those sentiments and I'm I'm looking favorably towards the future. Um, I, I don't, I don't subscribe to people saying, Oh, 2020 is trash. Throw it away. I go, no, no, no. Uh, this is a great pause for yourself. This is a great pause for introspection companies need to figure out their crap. And, um, and where this goes from here, there's only going to be positivity because as a world we've come together as people, we've been a lot more community driven, um, volunteer driven heart led all of those things and so i think that now is the most exciting time to really be living even if i can't do a whole ton of things i'm really excited for what the future holds for for once actually
1: <laughs> yeah and i just think that that kind of feeling of hope and optimism i kind of really think personally that in terms of imposter syndrome it's, this has brought people together to realize that actually Imposter syndrome so often is us feeling that way and that no one else actually feels like that. It's just Mm -hmm. us. And yet we're starting to realise COVID has come along and it's bound communities together. It's got people having deep conversations. It's got people connecting with intention rather than, oh, I'm busy, I'll talk to you later. And actually sitting down and just taking a moment to reflect. And when we do that, we realize that actually we do come together. And imposter syndrome is a shared human experience. Almost everyone has felt it at some point. At the point that you might be feeling it now listening to this podcast, there will be a million other people across the world feeling exactly the same way as you. And that is incredibly powerful. Because when you realize you are human, you are special, you are authentic, and there's other people who feel like you, just struggling to break through that barrier, just struggling to give yourself that permission to be you, just take those tiny steps outside your comfort zone, and over time, you'll build that muscle, that muscle that allows you to step out of yourself and become not an imposter, but you.
0: (sighs) Yes, that's beautiful. And I think that is the perfect note to wind down the podcast. So I always love to give my guests the floor to promote whatever they would like to promote. So, Lee, do you have anything that you would like to promote to my listeners?
1: Uh, yep. Yeah. So, I am writing a book which will be out in November 2020, hopefully, if everything goes well with the publisher. And that's called How to Conquer Anything. And there will be a little bit in the book about conquering imposter syndrome. So if you are still engaging in that in a few months time, feel free to go to your local bookstore and buy it. I will ensure that the coverage is as wide as possible Mm -hmm. and that we don't just go to the most convenient places. Uh, Also for all listeners, you can download my latest ebook, which is how to live authentically and is a series of questions and exercises to just help you shape a little bit more of who you might be, there's 80 questions and exercises because not everything resonates with everyone, but a few might resonate with you. And you can find that at essentializecoreuk slash ebook.
0: Awesome. And I really appreciate that. Keep in contact with me about your book. I mean, we can talk offline about it so that I make sure I... I can you know shout you out when it releases and all of that, but Lee, um, uh, I will put all of the information for the ebook, everything, all of that, in my description. Anything regarding your book, all of your information, your company, everything. It'll always be in the description for my listeners, um, but Lee, we have come towards the end of this lovely conversation. I have really appreciated you taking the time to speak with me, um, taking the time to uh, talk about imposter syndrome with a very insightful conversation. Um, so do you have any parting words for my listeners?
1: Yeah, I would say that now is the perfect time to start to ask yourself some questions to just cultivate and craft your authentic self, you are amazing, all the answers are inside of you, you are not an imposter, you are your amazing self, step out there and be it every day.
0: Awesome. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much, Lee. And to my listeners, this was Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. Like us on Apple Podcasts, give us, give us a rating, share us. And as always, um, check the description to connect with Lee Chambers. Lee, thank you so much for taking the time all the way in the UK to speak with me today. I hope you have a lovely evening.
1: Thank you, Bianca. It's been a privilege. <laughs> all
0: right. Bye. Of pep.com and you can enter p d k m o at checkout to receive 15% off your order